and thought this team, even when they have a million injuries and are having to play a quarterback in off the street, is still competitive as all get out. And they're just a piece or two away. His words, not mine. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at Easton Freeze. I'm joined as always by producer JT, who you can follow at JT underscore Runky on Twitter or X, as they're calling it these days, apparently. JT, how are you? And uh, out of the gate, D-Good in the comments asking, JT, Mets versus Yankees. What are we betting tonight over on our sponsor, Zen Sportsbook? Uh, it's going to be the Mets. You know, Mets oh, money yeah, oh, minus sure. 105. Yeah, yeah. It is a, I just checked the lines. Mets favored slightly minus 105 tonight in the second round of the Subway Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a Verlander masterclass Mets legacy game here as he might be gone at the trade deadline. Like this so. is, this will be the the Mets, Verlander Mets just lay game down and too. die like a dog? I don't know. Well, well, okay. you know what? I believe that it's going to be the former, not the latter. So I will be taking the Mets tonight. Well, you know what? Whichever them. side of the argument you are on, go over to our sponsor, our partner, Zen Sportsbook. If you're a resident here in Tennessee, use our code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, to sign up and get 5% welcome bonus cash back in your pocket. Shout out D-Good for the easy little segue into a plug there. And welcome in, everybody. Our first show of in my opinion I, I there's not really a demarcation but this is in my opinion the first show of the 2023 NFL season we are so back baby we are back. so back we're back and it feels great um at the Titans facility today I was there for Rand Car not Rand Car thank goodness Mike Vrabel and DeAndre Hopkins interviews uh with us our kind of state of the union welcome back um press conference with that's what the the point of Mike Vrabel's conference was you know just to recap the past six or seven weeks where everybody's been off on vacation talk about camp that we're about to embark on for the next five or so weeks what his plans are and uh, we got into a number of different interesting topics some things that we've kind of spent the last six weeks storing up like like a squirrel with nuts in the winter except us in the dog days uh, the, the the valley of the shadow of death of NFL content the past couple weeks, just absolute nothingness. The little morsels of things we had to ask about question wise for Mike Vrabel. We, we threw it all at him today and he gave us a lot of answers. So we're going to talk about all of that. We've got a number of clips to share from the press conference and we'll get into detail on that in today's episode. And then our first conversation with DeAndre Hopkins, Titans newest addition and star wide receiver. He spoke to us for about 20 minutes today. Nice guy. Had a lot to say. Um, and answered a couple of questions of which we have clips for, and we'll talk about some of his answers as well. Thank you to all of you that are joining us live today. If you are listening via podcast, just so you know, we'll be going live a lot more now that the season is um, officially here, really, uh, especially with training camp days. Um, There'll be many days like today where in the afternoon, following a big practice or a big press conference or a big interview, We'll be going live on the show recording for the next day's podcast. So this is the Wednesday, July 26th podcast, but you're joining us live now if you're listening to the sound of my voice on Tuesday, and we appreciate you being here. And that allows you to ask us any questions that you might have. Ask me any questions about what I saw and heard at camp. Make any comments, some some observations of your own. Embrace debate, embrace discussion. That's what we like to do on this show. And so if you want to indulge in any of that, you have to go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Just search Broadway Sports Media on YouTube and you will find this live stream where you may be listening right now on Twitter or on Facebook. And we thank you for that. But if you want to comment so that we can see it on our end, like Jacob saying, just commented saying, this is a comment. Um, you got to do that over on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. So thank you very much to those tuning in. And without further ado, JT, how about we go ahead and dive on in to what we heard today from Mike Vrabel. What do you say? Yeah, I'm ready to get into it because we have a lot to talk about. We do. I I pulled a number of clips. We spoke to Vrabel and Hopkins collectively today for about 50 minutes. And if you want to hear all of the clips that I had from today's show or from today's press conference, some of which we won't be playing on today's show, go over to my Twitter account at Easton Freeze. You can find all of them there if you want to just listen to really the press conference in its entirety. 
But off the top, I wanted to talk about the first thing we asked head coach Mike Vrabel about. The obvious question, Mike, you've added since we last spoke a pretty significant piece in DeAndre Hopkins. What were your thoughts on him uh, as a player, as a prospect you considered to bring in, ultimately did sign to a pretty significant deal for a 30-year-old receiver? And here's what he had to say. JT, let's play that clip. Well, obviously, uh, it's a proven player. It's a proven player that's had production um, year after year. They're veteran presence that's seen a lot of different defenses. He's got uh, experience in our offense. Some of the system is going to have changed a little bit, but I would say that he's got some familiarity with it. Um, some familiarity with, with me, with Timmy, and you know, some of our coaches. So I'm going to ask him to do the same thing that we ask everybody else to do, um, which is to you know, come in, be attentive, work hard, help the team in, in multiple ways. And I'm confident he'll do that. I, I would tell you this, that you know, when we signed him, uh, he mentioned that you know, he wanted to communicate that he had you know, prior engagement that, that he'll be taken care of um, here in the next couple of days. So you know, I would say that there may be a day or two that he won't be here, not to alarm anybody, but you know, appreciate him you know, letting us know that on the onset you know, as, and when we signed him. So you know, we do that with, with all of our players that, that communicate the things that come up. So first of all, I do appreciate Vrabel getting that out there in the open, out of the gate, because you just know people will be flipping out if in the first week or two of DeAndre Hopkins joining the team for training camp, he's mysteriously disappeared for a couple of days. Appreciate him making pre, uh, a pre-planned arrangement that he didn't go into detail on, but some some family activities he's got to deal with for a couple of days in the next week or two. And so when he's missing, that's that's why. Um, so no re reason for everybody to freak out, lose their mind. Um, he also was asked, Vrabel, about what Hopkins can do right now, what the plan is for him in terms of getting him fitted into the team, finding his role, getting up to speed with the install and the new offense and all of these things and, and what his fit will be. And, and Vrabel gave a pretty lengthy answer, essentially saying that he feels like DeAndre can do a, a number of things right now out of the gate for the team just because he's a veteran and a, a pro's pro and a, a potential future Hall of Famer. Uh, actually, not potential, just a future Hall of Famer. And um, this is a guy that is going to take some time. He, he he didn't say in particular who, but it, in my opinion, he was alluding to Hopkins as well as a handful of other receivers. He doesn't feel like out of the gate, every receiver on this team will be able to play every position. And that was kind of along those lines of positionless ball that this team is ultimately trying to get to as an as an end goal with this new Tim Kelly offense, how positionless can we be? How well versed can these players be at different positions? And DeAndre Hopkins, just in terms of historically how he's played on the field, has been somebody that you could pretty effectively move inside, outside, make him the Y, make him the flanker. You know, he's been in the backfield a handful of times. He's got a couple carries in his career, especially when he was younger. So these are all things that he has done before that I'm sure they'll look to utilize with him in a way that, you know, we were talking about this when they acquired him, JT, the top three receivers in terms of volume on this team, assuming health should be Traylon Burks, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, Kyle Phillips. But in terms of who the three starters will be, who the three will be on the field in a standard package, don't be shocked if you see more of Burks as the X, the outside boundary receiver. NWI as the other big bodied outside Y, the flanker, and then DeAndre in at the Z as that slot inline receiver, um, playing a little bit more of, of a slot role that we saw him play a bit more of when he was under Tim Kelly's not tutelage, but direction in 2019 with the Texans, something that we'll have him address with a clip in a little bit. So all of that, I think, is in the cards. It just won't necessarily be happening right this minute. And I, I appreciate, by the way, all of you in the comments, Dr. Lipschitz, baby mama drama. We see you. I see your comments. We we have all of these things you're addressing in the rundown. So we've got your comments starred. We're going to circle back to what you have to say in just a moment. If you'll be patient with us, I appreciate that. And by the way, while I'm on the topic, if you are listening live, 
do me one quick personal favor, like share, retweet, send the link to a friend or some family. I would consider it a, a huge favor to me. And, and it's very helpful in terms of getting people in here so we can talk ball and get as many eyeballs on our show as possible. So if you could take two seconds to do that, be much appreciated. Likes, retweets, all of that good stuff. Very helpful. So next, uh, he was asked about DeAndre's physical shape, getting up to speed, the positionless ball topic. And I, I'm not going to play that clip because it's kind of redundant. But yeah, Jacob, re-exit. Re don't retweet it. It's it's Rexit now, I suppose. Um, he, he seems to be in physical shape, ready to go. The next clip that I want to play is uh, off the topic of DeAndre for the moment. We then asked him about probably the second most obvious question that we're looking to have answered right now. Hey, Mike, what's what's the plan at right tackle, right? Like what, what are we doing here? There's a number of ways they can go about this. JT, you and I have spent the past couple of weeks trying to hypothetically build this puzzle as many different ways as we can. And boy, are there a number of ways they could go about it. Very few of them inspire much confidence, but there are a lot of ways to put that puzzle together. And so here in this clip um, was Mike Vrabel responding to the question, what is the plan at right tackle? Well, Jamarco's worked over there the first couple days, you know, the early report guys. Um, I think Andrew Ruptrick will play play over there. Jalen uh, will have a shot over there. I think uh, OJ will have a chance over there, John. And so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see where things go um, and, and we'll find the best best person there. One of the other members of the media asked that question and Vrabel gives the obvious answer the, the three uh, players that we had been mentioning. And then one that I, I had just kind of been writing him off because he's been with the team for a little bit. He's more of a veteran player. I feel like there's not as much upside, but in terms of a plug and play band aid type player in this situation, clearly the team is interested in giving him a shot. And that's Andrew Rupchich, a, a depth tackle on this roster that was the first name that Vrabel mentioned when, when asked about what the plan is at right tackle. And he seems to be of the mind that they're going to kind of have to just play around with it right now, right? The, the, the situation with the, the, the tackle position is one that doesn't have a clear answer on this roster. And um, it, it's something that we're, we're going to have to just see as camp goes, what works, what doesn't. So he mentions Andrew Rupchich, John Ujokwu, the undrafted free agent rookie, uh, Jalen Duncan, the the uh, sixth round tackle pick of this past draft, and then Jamarco Jones, who was a, a trade made by John Robinson from Seattle last year and hasn't really done a whole lot. But Vrabel did mention that in these first couple of days with the early guys, the rookies and um, lesser experienced players, depth players coming in and practicing a couple of days. It's been Jamarco Jones filling in at right tackle so far. So he's going to give those guys a chance. One of the other members of the media asked as a follow-up to this question, what do you envision potentially trying Peter Skaronsky out at right tackle? Obviously played tackle all through college rookie uh, 11th round selection in this past year's draft, a stud lineman, but uh, much made about his ability to play tackle in the NFL, considering his length. And he never really played right tackle in college, unless I'm completely misremembering that, JT. Didn't he play exclusively left? He did. Yeah. yeah. And that, so that was his bread and butter. And I mean, that's been the been the talk the entire time is he plays either on the left side and that's where he's really kind of considered home. And it's not crazy for some to consider, well, why not try him at the right side? And trying him may not be a bad idea. Vrabel essentially said, I'm not, I'm not crazy about moving him. I then followed up to that question. Okay, okay what about Brunskill? Daniel Brunskill, the guy currently penciled in at right guard. He has NFL experience at the right tackle position. Is he kind of in that same boat, Mike? Are you not wanting to, at least as your first resort, look to move one of them to the right tackle position? in the interim. And he was just saying that he kind of likes where they're at right now. And that there's certainly not, he's not going to get too ahead of it is what he said. He doesn't want to rule it out because they are going to try some things, but as their first plan of attack as, as to how they're going to fix this problem, it's going to be trying one of those four in Jones, Duncan, Ajoku or Rupchich and seeing if they feel serviceable there so that they can leave Brunskill and Skoronsky at the positions. They ultimately want them to be playing. And once MPF comes back where they will be, We asked him about George Fant and the workout 
this past weekend, he didn't really have much to say. Just said that he came in for a workout. We didn't reach a deal. We're on good terms, staying in contact, blah, blah, blah. All the stuff we'd heard reported. But then JT, I'm, I'm sure you saw this got kind of weird on Twitter right after the press conference when uh, the Titans official photography team, Donald Page over there, who does great work with the Titans in the photography department, put up a number of pictures on the Titans official website, on their Facebook page, on their Instagram and all of these things. Pictures of guys arriving today from the parking garage, you know, the pictures of like first day back. Let's go get hype. And amongst them was George Fant walking in from his car, throwing up a peace sign at the camera. And it's captioned George Fant arrives at the Titans facility for the first day of fall camp. And this was like 30 minutes after we finished our press conference and many of us packed up and left the facility. Very strange. And then George Fant himself responds to a number of people that tweeted this out saying, what's the deal here? What's going on? You know, we just heard Vrabel say that he's not with the team. He's not been signed and, and blah, blah, blah. Like not, a, it's a non-story. Then we see this picture. George Fant replies on Twitter to these pictures and says, no, I just, I went to the wrong door. Whatever that means. That doesn't really clear it up at all at the time. Right. And then eventually the Titans took that picture down. So it seems like, what happened here was it was a mistake. That was a picture being taken by Donald Page and the photography team on the rookie arrival day earlier this weekend when George Fant also arrived for his workout. And it sounds like George Fant tried to walk into the facility in, in the wrong, just made a mistake and went to the wrong door and got his picture taken. And they just threw all those pictures up and forgot that George Fant is not, it's not one of the dudes on the team. So that's the confusion, but we have clarification. I believe Paul Kaharski asked somebody within the building for clarification after we all left. He is not signed by the team. He still is not signed by the team. He's not probably going to be signed by the team. Uh, kind of says George Fant could walk into the press conference and Vrabel could still say nothing to see here. This is true. Uh, Dr. Lipschitz, I, I see that you, you're saying the volume's too low on the videos. I, we apologize for that. I tried to fix the volume before. It sounds like I didn't turn it up enough on these. It, it's difficult with the phone videos from, from the from the uh, actual building and then getting them on here, getting the volume right. So thank you for the note. Next time we'll, we'll turn them up even more and hopefully you can hear better for now. Just lean in real close. We'll try to be real quiet for you so you can hear them. Next up, let's talk about what uh, Mike Fribble had to say uh, on the, the pair of, of fellas on this team that got in trouble in the past couple weeks. Let's put it that way. Uh, you have NPF with this gambling suspension six weeks out. You have Hassan Haskins with some serious legal um, domestic violence charges that are looming over his head. A very different, much more serious situation with him. We asked him about both, and I'm not going to play the clip because it's a, kind of two non-answers with the gambling policy. He just said, you know, we're continuing to um, we're continuing to preach and teach the gambling policy and do as much in the education department as we can make sure these guys understand what's going on. Didn't really add much to what's going on with the MPF situation or his, you know, he didn't editorialize on his thoughts on the situation. And then with Hassan Haskins, he said practically nothing, just that they're very, he said, first of all, we're very sensitive to those kinds of situations, which he has to say for, you know, just PR purposes. But then he said he, he wants to, and as we assumed he would, we want to allow for all the facts to come out is what he said. And so he is going to remain on this team. It's probably going to be weird, a little bit awkward at the moment. Um, whether or not he stays on this roster for a long time is to be determined. I'd imagine if he is on the roster, his impact in terms of on-field play will be very minimal. He won't be put in situations to just be out there, like, you know, just be in the public eye. It'd be minimalized as much as possible. They probably won't want us talking to him at the first practice tomorrow. I can almost guarantee you media PR people will tell us he's one of the people we can't get as they run off the field. Maybe not, maybe not, but if he's out there, they're probably going to tell us we can't speak to him. And uh, so that situation is still kind of hanging up in the air. The next clip I want to play is Vrabel giving what he alluded to as his three kind of tenets for what he's trying to get across the message he's preaching on day one of training camp. We were asking him about what he wants to accomplish the next five weeks or so. And here's what he had to say. The three things that Mike Vrabel wants to accomplish in camp. Here's the clip. You know, we look, we talk about training camp as you know, trying to accomplish three things. We're trying to build and, and our, our foundation. You know, of what our culture is and who we are and how we want to play. 
We want to try to make sure that we're developing a team, that there's a, that there's a level of camaraderie and trust and accountability that we all have for each other. And the last one is we have to most importantly prepare to win. That, that's what we're all here for. So that, that's going to be, that was my message the other day. That'll be my message this afternoon. You know, as we have to build a foundation, to start over. If there was improvement in spring, great. We need to continue that. But it's the found, building the foundation, developing a team, and then preparing to win. And then the players will obviously define their role as we work our way through training camp. With we asked him on the heels of that question, what's the plan for veterans? What, how are you going to approach who does and doesn't play? And this question really revolved around DeAndre Hopkins, who has a, whether fair or not, and he'll address that a little bit later, has a reputation for not liking to practice, not practicing a whole lot. We asked him what his plan was for the veterans and DeAndre in particular, and he gave kind of a broad strokes answer. But JT, let's play this next clip. Here is Mike Gribble talking about how everybody has a plan every day. You know, you guys have heard this ad nauseum, but everybody has a plan every day, uh, and everybody will be working in some capacity, right? Whether whether that's Derek or Jeff or KB, whoever that DeAndre, um, and, and so I don't, I'm not ready just to say this is what the plan is. I think it's dependent on, you know, what it looks like, the amount of work that he's that he gets, and, and the amount of work that that he needs, and the conditioning that he needs, and the relationship with the quarterback, and. But we're obviously he's going to have a, have a plan just like everybody else. So it sounds like these guys are going to get the pretty typical veteran treatment in terms of who will and won't be playing or practicing rather. Um, I'd imagine Hopkins maybe practices more than folks think at first when he is not dealing with his family things away from the facility. Um, but there's a number of these players that are going to practice at, at different levels and it's probably going to frustrate some fans, but that's just the nature of training camp guys. Like that's how it goes with these veterans. You get veteran treatment. I mean, guys like Ben Jones last year, not out there a whole lot, but it doesn't really need to be with the Deandre Hopkins. It's much more concerning what and how he is learning in the, in the teaching rooms, in the position rooms behind closed doors in the facility with the install and getting up to speed. Yes. There is an element of building, a relationship with a, a chemistry with Ryan Tannehill and his fellow teammates on the field, but it, it's going to be a long August. Like there's plenty of training camp as long as he's on the field, a decent amount and is not hurt. I, I think it won't be that big of a concern personally. Um, we asked him about Harold Landry as well, who was importantly not put on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list to begin camp like um, Dylan Radens and uh, Caleb Farley were. By the way, we asked him about those two guys. He didn't have anything to say. Just said they're on the pup list. We'll talk about them when they're not on the pup list. With Landry, not on the pup list, we asked him what he expects to see from Landry in camp. Gave an open-ended answer, but said, quote, from what I've seen, looks like he's ready to go. May or may not be out there every day. So again, that kind of veteran treatment in terms of who is and isn't going to be out there especially with a guy like Landry who is both a veteran and coming off of rehabbing a, a significant injury, an injury that he sustained in this period last year. And with ACLs, I don't need to remind anybody, you often get secondary and tertiary injuries as a result of compensating. You know, you, you, you pull a hammy in the opposite leg. You do some damage to your hip in the opposite leg because you're compensating for your knee, whether it is physical compensation or there's a there's a mental element to this, JT. I mean, I'm sure everybody has dealt with an injury in terms of athletics at some point in their life where, you know, the doctor said you're ready to go and you feel like you're ready to go. But you get out there and, you know, it's you run that first wind sprint in your head. It's scary. You got to get over that hump of trusting your knee again, trusting your ankle again, trusting your broken bone again. And we've seen that with guys like Caleb Farley last year, who looked at times to be kind of a head case in terms of trusting that knee turning and getting downfield and not letting no name wide receivers blaze him down the field as a guy that is, is and should be one of the fastest guys on the roster. The next clip is an update from Mike Vrabel, and this is the last we'll have for Mike Vrabel on his quarterback room right now. And I think this was the most interesting clip for me because of what he says out of the gate about one Mr. Malik Willis. But here's what Mike Vrabel had to say when asked about his quarterback room. Let's play the clip. Conscious of that, again, I thought Malik came out of the spring with clearing improvement. You know, Will's learn 
you know, what, what it goes into being an NFL quarterback, uh, and then certainly the consistency that, that Ryan showed in the offseason and his uh, willingness to, to pick up new terminology with the offense and some of the stuff that we were doing. So, again, feel good about where we're at. Can't have too many quarterbacks. Hopefully they're, they're all good ones and that we have tough decisions. But uh, you know, it was fun just seeing the guys improve and then seeing where we go now starting tomorrow. Let's work backwards on those comments because, again, the first one is the most fascinating to me. At the end there, he says, and this is his mentality, and it's not hard to trust him on this, to believe him on this, because clearly, based on his actions, this is how Mike Vrabel feels in terms of his philosophy at the quarterback position. There is no such thing as too many quarterbacks, and I hope that they're all good and give us tough decisions. Like that, That is what he wants, and that's why they now have three promising to – very talented starting caliber quarterbacks on this roster, and it's getting a bit crowded in that room. On Tannehill, he mentions the consistency and willingness to learn new terminology um, for a veteran. That's kind of something that I think can go under the radar. How often do you, you know, in your line of work, whoever you are listening to this, when you know how to do something and there's a way that you've done something for years, and then you've got a new boss or a new management or, you know, corporate is sending new guidelines, and it's like, you have to do it this way now. That's a massive pain in the butt, man. Like, it's no fun. No one likes to do that. So to have to learn a whole new language, a whole new terminology for a quarterback who's been in the league for a decade and has known how to do things one way and isn't changing teams. Like, there's not even the excuse like, well, I have to learn a new language because it's a new team. Same team, boss. We got to learn a whole new offense. That can't be super fun. And so for him to be willing to do that is obviously a positive in his coach's minds. With Will Levis, he says the obvious. He's learning how to, he has been learning and is learning how to be an NFL quarterback. And then with Malik Willis, JT, and I want to talk about this for just a second. Immediately, he, of the three quarterbacks, he starts with Malik and says, came in in the spring, glaring improvement, immediately obvious to him. Now, whether that is, wow, it was shocking how this guy doesn't suck anymore, or it was a positive in, in the sense that, hey, this guy actually, has some juice might actually have some promise look at this year one to year two improvement i found that pretty fascinating and i think it goes along with what dare i say we were the first show to ever consider this because we never jumped off the 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 train in the first place the train of malik has promise there's a chance he always needed time give it a second even last year at the end of the season when he's getting benched for Josh Dobbs, people saying Malik's a bust. It's already over. It's he's washed up. He's, you know, it never was going to work. Just cut, cut ties and move on. We talked to his quarterback coach and Sean McAvoy, friend of the show. We talked about our initial draft evaluations of him back before the Titans ever took him. This is a guy that, you know, needs time is a massive project. He needs at least a year, maybe two to ever reach that potential. So we said, let's just let's not let's not freak out yet. There's a chance that he makes this this summer really, really interesting. And here we are. Mike Vrabel apparently found his spring very interesting. And I kind of think that he's going to make this August very, very interesting in that quarterback room, JT, don't you think? I mean, I, I totally agree. I think it was never always cut and dry for Will Levis to be the backup here in, in going into training camp. I think you have to give Malik Willis the benefit of the doubt being one whole year into the system here, especially, I mean, we, we talked with, like you said, with his quarterback coach who it, Malik has put the work in all off season. So it, it shouldn't yep. really be a su surprise that he made these improvements. Yeah. And we've been hearing about that behind the scenes from his quarterback coach back in, in February, like, Hey, well, I'm working with Malik every day, all the time we're grinding. Like he's going to make that push to prove everybody wrong. Kenneth says here, by the way, that Vrabel is absolutely right. You can't have too many quarterbacks. Imagine if the Eagles hadn't taken Jalen Hurts and were stuck with Carson Wentz or the Chiefs had just stuck with Alex Smith, who was consistently getting them to the playoffs when they went and they drafted Patrick Mahomes. A great point. Let's move on to what DeAndre Hopkins had to say, JT. And the first question for him was also obvious. DeAndre Why'd you pick Tennessee? Like what, what's, what's the deal with not, not to say you shouldn't have by any means, but many considered a guy, you know, a, a star player for the past decade in the NFL still has some juice left. Hasn't played on a good team in a long time. 
maybe he would you know like to go to a contender. And then many nationally don't consider the Titans to be a contender in the slightest. In fact, the only thing that they consider them to be contending for is potentially a top five draft pick next year. So why Tennessee? And he gave a number of answers to this question for which we have a couple of clips. The first was, he said that Ryan and Mike had put together a competitive roster in his eyes. And so we asked, you know, what, what made you think or makes you think this roster is competitive or can be competitive. And the answer he gave, it caught me off guard in the moment. Like I did not think that this was going to be his answer in the slightest. I wouldn't have named it as my top three answer, but he said it was Josh Dobbs. Like, hold on. What? Huh? Excuse me. And he said, yeah, I want, you know, I'm watching that game at home last year. Titans Jaguars prime time. I believe on a, on a Saturday night, I believe. And uh win or get in the Titans are having to play Josh Dobbs off the street and against a, a, a Jaguars team that was trending up pretty significantly with a quarterback who's certainly on the rise. And they were a, a one or two calls away from winning that game. They were in the game until the very end. And then they lost on a controversial fumble call. Like he said, he saw that game and, and thought this team, even when they have a million injuries and are having to play a quarterback in off the street is still competitive as all get out. And they're just a piece or two away. His words, not mine. And so that's something that I think should inspire confidence in a lot of Titans fans that he gave not just a positive answer. And he, you know, he could have said, you know, just, I think this team's a couple pieces away. I think that we can really compete. I think people are sleeping on us that there's an element of hollowness to that, right? Like, of course you're going to say that you just signed here. You want to win. You're a little biased. You you play for the team now. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to pump yourself up and think positively, but he gave a really thoughtful intelligent, informed, and logically plausible answer to the question that I think for at least intelligent fans should be really exciting because if he's able to 10 seconds into being a Tennessee Titan, recognize that you'd imagine that the coaching staff is of the same mind. And you'd imagine that the playing uh, personnel, the player personnel are of the same mind as well. And so this team, as we have said, since the beginning of the offseason, JT on this show, and until guys like Kevin Byard and Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and Jeffrey Simmons, the four guys they had in the Oilers uh, reveal video, by the way, are all gone. All guys that they were rumored to be trading at some point in the past couple months until they're gone. This is not a rebuild, man. It's not. This team's still trying to compete. Then they add DeAndre Hopkins to that mix of stars. And yeah, they're trying to compete. In terms of why he chose Tennessee for other reasons, he also mentioned his positive relationship with Tim Kelly, the Titans offensive coordinator, and Charles London felt like he could pick up where he left off with both of those guys in Houston back in 2019, where uh, in that season, Tim Kelly was uh, calling some of the plays and overseeing a number of the offensive game planning um, bits and pieces there. He also said that on his visit to Tennessee, initially, the, the original visit, a couple of uh, over a month ago now, I believe a couple weeks ago, he said that Ryan Tannehill and his wife, Lauren came to, to meet him, to see him when he was here in Tennessee, that he hit it off with Ryan right away. We asked him about his chemistry with Ryan. He said that he feels like they hit it off and they're going to be really good friends. And that he, uh, when Ryan and his wife came to visit him on, on his visit with the team, that he really appreciated that. And that meant a lot to him that, that I think goes to the point of remember early, early on with, with Hopkins, when he was asked on another show, what his criteria for a new team was he wanted a quarterback that loves ball and a quarterback in the middle of summer with his wife willing to stop whatever they're doing and come visit a potential free agent and meet with him and talk with him and be earnest with him. That I think demonstrates a quarterback that this guy's about ball. Like he's, he's in it. He's a hundred percent all in. He also said, um, uh, I have to mention, uh, uh we got a whoop, whoop, dumbass Ryan, uh, Jared Stillman question here real quick. Just have to mention, he asked, Hopkins easily the dumbest question of the press conference. What is your level of belief in Ryan Tannehill? And, and Hopkins was like, what are you, what? And, and he, he re re repeated the question. What, hey, what is your level of confidence in Ryan Tannehill? And Hopkins says, well, one out of 10, I think it's a 10. And then just gives him this look and, and offers nothing more. Thanks, Jared. Um, he also mentioned being somewhere that he felt comfortable and this is a clip that i do want to play for you jt let's play the clip where deandre goes into length about why he found comfort in a home here in tennessee someone in my situation going to year 11 
uh, wanting to be somewhere around people that I'm comfortable with. Uh, Rayboy now, you know, we've always kept communication over the years. Uh, when I was, first got to Arizona, he was one of the first coaches to congratulate me. And I was one of the first coaches to criticize a, a bad game that I had as well. It wasn't my coach, and that's what I respect about uh, Rayboy. It's funny that he mentioned Vrabel was one of the first guys to compliment him with the Cardinals and also be, you know, constructive with his criticism when he was with Arizona. And we asked him, what did he say? And he said that he texted him after one of his first games, asking him why he didn't catch a ball that he should have should have caught. And we asked him if he appreciated that at the time. He said, yeah, I appreciated it immediately. Clearly, this guy cares about me. He's invested in me and uh, he's willing to hold me to the standard that I hold myself to. Uh we then asked Hopkins why his game can remain so sharp as he continues to age. And JT, this is another clip that we have. Here was DeAndre's response to that question. Uh, my IQ, um, the way I play the game, the, the face I play the game, obviously. Um, the way I started last season as well. Um, you know, my first couple games in, in Arizona. And so that, that's something that um, I think is pretty obvious. We've talked about on the show, like he's not a speed physicality, uh, you know, high point catch point receiver. That's not his game. Never has been his game. Even when he came out of Clemson as a rookie, as a much younger, much more spry player, he's always been a route craft body control player. He doesn't necessarily need separation to, to win, to, to make a, a reception. He, he constantly makes his quarterbacks look better, look good by catching balls that should be incompletions or interceptions because he's got such fantastic body control and route craft ability. Um, he also mentioned that he started doing some specific new training last year uh, in, in his efforts to continue to combat father time. And so that's something that's pretty positive. We then asked him about playing a teacher player role, you know, being that veteran mentor out there on the field as well as being a contributing player to the team and i found this clip interesting jt clip three he mentions um how he's going to approach it as a challenge really as the veteran in the room to be the player teacher for the tennessee titans offense as a challenge to help those guys uh, obviously you know i had a, someone like andre johnson larry face drill uh you know kind of showed me the way so I, I approach it as a challenge to help those guys get to where they want to get to. And uh, obviously, it's, uh, it's about the team. So, you know, whatever I can do to help those guys on and off the field, that's what I'll do. So Hopkins there mentions uh, former Titans legend Andre Johnson and then Larry Fitzgerald as two veterans that he has experience with in the past who kind of played that role that he is now looking to play with guys like Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips. He mentioned Burks saying that he was, a, you know, a, is a great player and is looking forward to playing with him. and and helping him develop along the way. Um, Dr. Lipschitz says, I, I don't think D-Hop even knew the plays in Houston and Arizona. He's just great at finding soft spots and doesn't drop anything. That's a good point. Also asking if anybody uh, asked D-Hop if he knows Coach Kelly as Pretty Boy Kelly. No, we didn't ask that question yet. I'm sure it will come up. We talked to Tim Kelly tomorrow morning at 8.30, I believe, 8.45, something like that. Um, so it's going to come up tomorrow morning. Don't worry about that. Pretty boy Kelly will be in the house and on Twitter in our uh, in the media's uh, mentions. We then asked him about uh, what guys he has been with in the past. He's not now a veteran like he's he's a 10 year player. He's, he's going into year 11. He's been a veteran for a while now. Has he kind of taken on this teacher player role with other players? And he mentioned a guy like Will Fuller, who he felt like he was a you know not taking credit for Will Fuller's success by any means, but as a guy that he felt like he kind of took under his wing and a similar situation in Arizona with a number of those young guys like um, I, I don't know Andy Isabella and um, uh, uh, Christian Kirk and guys like that that he kind of took under his wing. He plans to do the same with the guys here in Tennessee, which is a positive thing that he's looking to fill that role and is not averse to the competition or to to helping better his teammates we asked him about time being uh not time goodness tim his his offensive coordinator good typo on my part using him more in the slot in houston and if he expects to be used similarly here in tennessee like we were mentioning earlier this is another clip that let's let's play jt but he came with the stats talking about his success as a slot player back in 2019 in houston 
what I remember, I think when I was in the slot, you know, and you can go back and fact check me, but I might have been, you know, like top five productive slot receiver at the time. Uh, and that was my first year being in the slot. So obviously Tim uh, knew how to call plays and, uh, you know, it worked. We were very productive. We were a couple games away from getting to where we wanted to get to. So I think that helps a lot, not just having the outside where teams can kind of, you know, double me or just, you know, take me out the game in one position, but move me around, not just, yeah, so not to beat that horse any further, but I do expect him to be used in the slot more than some are expecting. I think his primary role will be as that Y, as that flanker opposite uh, Traylon Burks, but expect them to move him around more than maybe the in the past. The last couple of things from his availability that I want to share we asked him about the hating practice narrative, and I won't play the clip, but he said that he felt like that was overblown a player of his caliber in terms of the, the stats he's put up the past couple of seasons. He said, I, I don't know how many players can do what I've done without practicing. Those numbers seem like they require practice, which is a pretty good point. He also said that he feels like the whole Deandre hates to practice narrative got spun up around the time that he was in Houston about to leave Houston. And he said, I think it started in Houston when they, you know, well, and then when they, and then we just, he laughs and we all laugh and it's pretty obvious when there was kind of a psyop campaign by the Bill O'Brien uh, Gestapo, we're getting this guy out of here. We got to make him look like the bad guy. When in fact, I don't think that he was the bad guy. Last clip here from DeAndre. We had to ask him about what he felt like the value of the running back position was in the NFL from a professional longtime NFL wide receiver. How do you feel the running back impacts the offense's ability in general? What does it mean to have a great running back? And how do you feel about the ongoing debate and discussion around whether or not running backs are treated fairly? Without a great running back, or without a good running back, I shall say, uh, you know, the, the pass game is, is very hard to, you know, to establish. Play a lot of football, you got to establish a run first. I think those guys are very important to the game of uh, football. And, Obviously, I see what's going on. Not a fan of it, but you know that's uh, that's that's out of my decision. I don't think I can go out there and do is, uh, you know my job. But having a good running back on the team definitely helps, uh, you know, win games. And you know he believes that because he went on to talk about how Derrick Henry is a personal friend of his, has been for a couple years, and he's a big part of the reason Derrick Henry is why DeAndre is here in Nashville in the first place. Clearly. There was some lobbying going on, and clearly DeAndre does value a great running back's ability to make his job as a receiver easier, establishing the run and making a team fear the run, opening things up for him on the backside and allowing them to be force multipliers for each other. All right, last thing before we get out of here, JT, some camp notes. Uh, we asked Mike Ribble today about what his plan was for the team in terms of days on and days off. The, the, the situation we're, we were trying to boil down here is when can we see them in full pads? Like when are we going to see some live bullets flying? And so the Titans camp practices begin tomorrow, the day that this show publishes on podcast. So on Wednesday of this week, they will begin their first practice, technically day two of camp. Vrabel has them working on two days on one day off with the third, every third day, essentially being like a walk through jog through for installation, but not, live reps. That's how he's spacing out his days on and days off. And so that schedule and the restrictions of the collective bargaining agreement mean that there can be no live contact with the Titans until at the earliest Monday. So look for Monday's practice, which I will be in attendance for to be the first padded um, physical contact, full live speed practice for the Titans. All right. Um, some news here that I see JT so diligently has added mid show. Uh, just came up about. both just of these. hot off the presses, yep. JT, you, you know what's going on here. So let's, I'm throw it over to you. Talk me through some of this news. Yeah. So we had just two stories in the past hour, uh, kind of come out today. Okay. Um, one having to do with the Titans and then one kind of having to do with the NFL as a whole. We'll do the Titans one first real quick. It was reported by Aaron Wilson at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL on Twitter that the Titans worked out former Texans and Patriots safety AJ Moore today. Mm. Kind of uh, pressing as we talked about on our show um, on Monday about some questions 
about that we had going into uh, Titans training camp. The, the safety position was a little scarce behind those top guys. Of course, Elijah Molden has been working out as a safety um, this offseason. So it, interesting to see them kind of working out some guys, maybe bringing in some possible depth in the secondary. Yeah, AJ Moore, he's gonna be 28 this year. I had to pull up the stats because I'm like, wait, this guy played for the Titans briefly last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So if this name is familiar to you, it's funny that he says former Texans and Patriots defensive back, technically true, but he did spend one game last year playing with the Titans. Um, he he played in 16 games in 2018 and 19, although no starts, started five games and played in 11 in 2020 with the Texans and then played in 12 more games with no starts in 2021. So certainly a depth player, but JT, this team needs depth at the safety position. They've got their starters. They need some depth. If they can add some depth players that are quality and a guy like AJ Moore potentially. And again, I don't know if AJ Moore really rises to the level of moving the moving the uh, needle, or maybe he even is a guy that you're like, please God, he's a body. Yes. But is it an act of detriment to ever have him out on the field? I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. And then one more piece of news here, a big bombshell that just came out about five to 10 minutes ago mm. uh, per Adam Schefter, the next quarterback domino falls chargers and Justin Herbert reached agreement today on a landmark five year, $262.5 million extension that ties him to the franchise through the 2029 season The deal gets done before chargers first training camp practice on Wednesday, tomorrow. Some other things about this real quick. Justin Herbert is now the highest paid quarterback in NFL history in terms of new money average annual value at $52.5 million per season. He becomes the third quarterback just this offseason, just like Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, to become the highest paid quarterback ever. Got to keep resetting that market, baby. Uh, my initial reaction to this is I think this is a very good deal for the Chargers and for Herbert. Obviously, he, he yeah, Kenneth running backs, punching air, seeing Herbert's money. Maybe he can buy dinner forever and always. Um, this seems I don't know. This seems like a good deal for both sides. Obviously, Herbert gets to set that market, set the record for the next, I don't know, 13, 14 seconds. And uh, he also gets to have some you know, five years is a long contract through 2029, but it's not like a Mahomes 10 year, which I don't blame him for with Mahomes. I think tying yourself to an organization like the chiefs an established adult, well-run competent organization with competent leadership in both the front office and in the coaching offices, chargers historically aren't that <laughs> they're not always the most competent organization they're regularly the most snake bitten organization they are regularly talked about as one of the cheapest organizations and they've had their ups and downs in terms of competency over the past 20 years or so and so i think giving them some security as a franchise to try to establish that culture over the next five years but also giving Herbert the option that you know if things are still a disaster and i go to one playoff game in the next three years or whatever it may be. I'm not, I've not tied myself in perpetuity to this team and this team uh, gets their five year. It's a, you know, more than, more than I think a standard four year contract, obviously, but five is, is not, I don't know for, for a guy like Herbert, you, I would have expected a big, like maybe more like a, let's see what, what did Josh Allen? He did a six year, I believe. So like Josh Allen did six. I'd imagine Joe Burrow's probably going to do in that six to seven to eight range. Mahomes obviously did the landmark 10 year billion dollar deal and so, or half billion dollar deal. So yeah, I'd say that's probably the, the lowest of the very, very high end quarterback contracts in terms of years allocated that you'll ever see. And uh, I think it's ultimately a, a good deal for both sides. Yeah, and that just brings up the question. We saw Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, now Justin Herbert. They, they, Joey Joe B, Burrow, Joe, Joe Burrow time. And, and to your point there, I feel like you bring in question a Bengals organization who also has been on the cheap, cheap side. Little cheap. Um, Not the most cash-rich organization in the and league. And now have also Joe Burrow, uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase. to pay. Um, and interesting to see. But I, I will say the, the Bengals have always taken great care in their quarterback, whether it's been Carson Palmer or Andy Dalton or now Joe Burrow. Um, it's always been a uh, it's always been the position that they take care of at least the most. 
Yeah, no, I agree. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Just want to make sure we didn't get to, we didn't miss any questions here. Oh, I forget the very beginning. I promised I'd get to it. See, I'm not forgetting, Dr. Lipschitz. You asked earlier that about why no one is talking about the tight end battle. It says, what's our starting inline tight end? Wiley, Raider, Mac, Wesco. Good question. Something that I think we didn't address today simply because we're going to, we're going to get visual evidence of words are are nothing talk is cheap right let's go see it on the field what are they actually doing we're going to see that the next couple of days at practice so uh, make sure to join us perfect segue when we go live again with the hot read podcast another live taping on thursday evening around the same time four or five o'clock make sure to follow us on twitter at hot read pod for uh, updates for scheduling and programming announcements of that sort and join the 500 others that have followed us on twitter shout out to us for 500 followers on Twitter. That rocks. Let's get to a thousand. Would much appreciate that. Thank you so much earnestly to all of you that follow us and, and make what we do possible. Quick announcement. If you missed at the top, we are in fact partnered with Zen Sportsbook this year, the newest sports book in the state of Tennessee. And if you use our code, when you sign up hot pod, H O T P O D, when you sign up, they're gonna, there's going to be a box for a referral code. You're, you're going to know it when you see it. Don't miss it. Hot pod H O T P O D. What does that use it? Yeah, use it tonight on the Mets. Use it tonight on the Mets, baby. Or betting against the Mets or whatever you want to do. Uh, go do that. And uh, when you sign up using our code HOTPOD, that gets you unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus when you sign up with our code HOTPOD. 5% cash back for the first 15 days on all of your betting volume, win or lose. So if you bet $100 in the next 15 days, win or lose those bets, you're going to get five bucks back in your pocket thousand dollars you're gonna get 50 bucks back in your pocket it's like a it's like a like a a, a, a interest on an investment you're getting that money back win or lose and uh, after that first 15 days it's three percent cash back bonus in your pocket on all of your betting volume so none of this funny money free bets bet site credit blah 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 sign up and get it we're gonna match your no it is cash in your pocket forever when you use our code Hot Pod, H-O-T-P-O-D. So check them out. Zen Sportsbook here in the state of Tennessee. All right, that's it for us today. Appreciate those of you who tuned in live with us. Make sure to come back. We'll be live Thursday evening around the 4 or 5 o'clock hour as you're driving home or as you're getting ready for dinner. Talking about the Titans' first training camp practice, which is tomorrow morning. I will be there in attendance and taking plenty of notes for us to discuss on Thursday for Friday's show. Until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday.